0: You're listening to The M2 Podcast, featuring one of our speakers from the M2 Summit, 3rd of November, 2020, brought to you by Ukiwi Natural Oral Care, Woodford Reserve and Lease Plan. All right, there's been some hope that our place as a kind of a safe haven in the world is gonna enable us to attract more VC level investment and talent. Well, this isn't just some whimsical, crazy talk, it is actually happening. And our next guest is proof of that. One of the founders of a large VC firm out of LA, he packed it all in to start Hill Farrant's venture capital right here in New Zealand. Actually, even before he made it across the border, he was setting up local investments and even a VC scout program. Please welcome to the stage, Rob Vickery. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <in>. <laughs> it's nice to see you in person. Zoom was good, but this is better.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm wearing pants as well, so that's... Oh yeah, me too. I wasn't <laughs> wearing any. Yeah, might like be naked from the bottom below. Yeah. How does it feel? How does it feel to to be here and then to look back at at the US? And is there a difference? Is there is there a difference that perspective brings?
1: Um. Yeah, it feels great. I mean, I've been out. Of prison for uh, five weeks, um, slowly rehabilitating. You know, not dropping the rope, the soap in the shower, and stuff like that. Um, no, it's been uh, it's been great. It's great to meet you all. I mean, just the fact that you're in a room like this, this cannot be done pretty much anywhere else in the world right now. Um, I think New Zealand needs to give itself a bloody good pat on the back and realise that. Now, I went to the All Blacks game a couple of weeks ago. He's in a stadium with 50,000 people. <laughs> that shit doesn't happen anywhere else. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. Uh, like, I'm not an American. I'm a British person. I lived in Los Angeles for 10 years. I can't even vote in the U.S., so mm. I'm not even going to talk about, you know, Donald Twatface. Um, but, you know, it, it, um, it's different. I mean, I've... Uh, this year, I have I went into self-exile. I had a young child uh, born just at the beginning of the pandemic. So, uh, wife and mother-in-law and baby, we locked ourselves in a house for eight months, which was um, interesting. Um, learned how to cook, which was a good thing. Um, but also, you know, I've seen change in the city of Los Angeles like you would never imagine. Mm. I've seen tanks and armoured vehicles parked on Santa Monica Pier. I've seen the National Guard. Mm. Uh, I was put under a... Lock- a Curfew of 6 p.m. and we were advised to lock the doors and not open it to anybody while there were, you know, professional looters going on outside in our oh wow. in our neighbourhood. I saw Santa Monica on fire. Uh, yeah, I've seen some crazy shit these last uh, year, um, as well as launching a business.
0: Mm. Now, in terms of in terms of launching here, so you set aside a million dollars. I don't want to give you FOMO, by the way, but for that million dollars, you could have bought a quarter of a house on the CBD fringe. Yeah, probably like a garage. More like, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, so you said to a million dollar. Can you talk through the scout program,
1: how that worked, and and what were the results? Yeah. So um, look, when I started out at venture capital, that like pretty much everybody in VC, there's no pathway to doing this. You do it by accident. Yeah, and I did. Uh, I was an angel invest. Well, I was an angel investor for three weeks. I learned my trade actually through working with um, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart from Eurythmics. I used to be their CEO of everything other than music because I've got no musical talent at all. So I learned some of the skills of investing into companies like Spotify and stuff like that really early. And um, but anyway, getting into that and creating my own venture funds, yeah, you know, I lost crap tons of money of my own. Yeah, I, I uh, probably. Actually, I didn't make any bad investments, which was cool. But I certainly wish I had, like, some guide rails, something to tell me how to do this. So um, when I started looking at New Zealand as a market about two years ago, I saw one of the things that you have here is, one, you have very few VCs, and two, there's not really any venture scout programs, which in Mm -hmm. California are reasonably popular. They're not everywhere. They're not ubiquitous, but they're certainly growing. And there are great programs because they do, and my program does three things. One is it helps train and provide the tools that I didn't have to people who want it um, so it gives me you know, new VCS of the future that's how this this economy and this startup market grows is not by ring fencing and swallowing you know everything up for yourself it's about you know the rising tide raises all boats so I yeah. wanted to create more VCS secondly um, I want to hire people I can't tell you how difficult it is hiring people in venture Capital um, for one it's my own fund it's named after my home village I, don't, I take it really carefully about who I want to bring into my team so this is a great way for me to do a two or three year interview with some potential hires for the fund um, and then um, finally I'm a competitive son of a bitch and I want to get into every single hot New Zealand startup first before anybody else and I will do that with my scout fund so that means that you know we're investing into really early kind of back of a cigarette packet kind of ideas um and we've uh we've started actually uh we've got 10 scouts um all listed on our I think mbr did an article sadly with mbr none of you can read it but uh um, I will be writing something up that you can actually read and see who they are. But we've got people like Suze Reynolds, who's the chair of the Angel Association. Um, we've got uh, a really mad scientist, crazy bioengineer based in, in, in Um We've got all sorts <laughs> of like oddballs out there looking for really cool deals. We have Marion Johnson, who runs uh, Ohaka and the Ministry of Awesome in Christchurch. So we've got geographic coverage. We've got sector coverage. Um, and they're going out there finding super early deals and we have just about to fund our first deal from two students from AUT. Hurrah. So, yeah.
0: Now, I don't want you to have to kind of go back through everything and, and you know, um, go through all of the skills required to be a good VC, but can you just talk about some of the things that you look for in a good in a good scout?
1: Yeah, I suppose individual expertise in areas that I know nothing about. Um, I look for somebody who is a self-driven, you know, ability to kind of take this on their own and run with it. Look, for somebody who wants to build more than just make 10 investments, they want to make a career out of this. Um, I think that's really key. People are just endlessly curious, competitive, Mm. um, nice people to work with. We have a no-asshole policy at Hill Farrant, so that's a pretty key recruiting criteria for me. Is there a kind of evolution, and and I mentioned it before, but I've been
0: watching social dilemma, and, and they kind of beat up a little bit on VCs, because they're talking about how the VCs are looking for growth and everything is about scale and, and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, VCs were getting a bit of a bad rap for that. But for has, sure. there been, has there been kind of an evolution anyway? Like, has, do, you, do you feel like there are different types of VCs coming in and have a different mandate in terms of what, they, what impact uh, they have on the world?
1: Not really. No, we're all just money-grabbing assholes. (laughs) No, um, what are we? Yeah, I suppose there is a varying group, but there's kind of people who are more interested in social enterprise now, and Mm -hmm. they're less focused on profit and more focused on the impact that that creates. That's really cool. Um, I think, you know, if I look at Silicon Valley and I spent most of my career in in there, um, most of the VCs look a lot like me, white male. Um, I want to see, and I'm really keen on seeing more women and people of color who are becoming VCs. Um, so I think that we can vary our approach by being a bit more diverse in uh, in who we are as, as investors and hopefully who we invest in. Mm. Um, so I think that's one way that VCs are changing. I mean, half of my portfolio companies, I've invested 30, actually 44 times into 27 companies in my career. Um, half of them are run by women. Um in fact, my latest portfolio company that just gave me a 5X multiple in my investment was run by a former Air Force um, pilot who created the Space Force program for NASA, and she is a rock star. So I do think that VCs are varying in terms of, like, from a diversity angle. Mm. I think that... Um, ah, but no, look. We have LPs, limited partners, investors in our fund. We have to generate returns for them. Mm. We are a high-risk asset class. We have a you yeah, a 10-year lifespan on a venture fund, so that means you don't may not even see any returns t- until 2030. Um, we have a very high failure rate. Companies come and go. So we have to look at it commercially. What Will this company eventually generate an exit, which mm. is IPO or listing on a market, or, or an exit acquisition? Um, but the way we get to that, I think, is really important, and I think it is changing and getting better, but not in Silicon Valley. It's still exactly the same there, and it'll never change.
0: There's probably a couple of things that I want to pull out of there, so I'll try and keep track of them. But uh, Silicon Valley, we've we've kind of talked here about, you know, if we've got the potential to be
1: a Silicon Valley. Is that what we want, necessarily? No. Why do you want to be a clone or something else? So what should we be? We should be the New Zealand startup market. We should be unique. We should be finding what makes us different. You know, I'm a... Um, I think I'm almost a Kiwi. I'm getting there, so I'm going to say we. Um, but we are a land of tinkerers and people who like to fuck with things <laughs> and, and invent stuff and shit like that. That's really important. And we need to like double down on that. We're also a nation of people that are obsessed with getting to profitability faster than ever before. I mean, I'm just going to look at Rachel from Yabel. I mean, you did that without raising any money at all. That's really cool and very rare. So there are, there is a... There's a, you've got all the tools to build something on your own. You don't have to, I've just, I've just seen people describe New Zealand as like the back office of Silicon Valley. Okay. I think that's just, that's just insulting to all of you. And you should tell people who say that to get stuffed. You know, you are on your own, you are new, you've got the eyes of the world looking at you right now. Mm. So have to take advantage of that. Yes, there's all the stuff in agritech and I get it. You should be leading the market in that and I think you are. Um, but there are other things that you should be that you could, that you do really well here: machine learning, AI, mm. um, the fact that this is the only place on the planet where you can shoot a movie right now. Yeah, we've got a lot of digital talent, yeah, digital, you know, um, imagery and visual effects talent here that is unique. So yeah, we should carve our own path and don't copy anyone.
0: So you're talking about the things that we do well, you know, kick-ass tinkerers, that kind of thing. What about mm-hmm. the things that we don't do well? Is there anything that you would suggest that we
1: work on? Yeah, you never asked me for the money, so. I have an hour-long meeting with you, love hearing your business plan, and it's just like, so, uh, uh, why are we here? Um, you asking, trying to raise money, you know? So you just need to, like, just just grab the bull by the horns and ask me, I am raising $2 million, are you interested? Um, for one, it'll save you a lot of time if I'm not, and if I am, then it gets really exciting. So ask for the money. Um, secondly, be more audacious in your ideas. Um, you've all got, the companies I've seen have got cool ideas but they're very focused on being cool in Australasia mm. but you, c- you can go worldwide now, it's super easy, well it's not super easy right now but eventually it will be right when mm. the world reopens again but um, yeah so be more audacious in, in, the, in the vision in the markets you're going to attack um, yeah, I think that's it, Other than otherwise I man, those are easy fixes mm. yeah. and also you've got to get rid of this tall poppy syndrome that has to stop that will kill this industry. Do you, do you notice yeah. it? Like, is it,
0: is it apparent to you?
1: Yeah, right. big time, yeah. So how do, we, how do you think we fix it? I think it's a cultural thing. It's really hard. I'm British. We've we probably invented all poppy syndrome. We're all sceptical bastards, right? So, but I... Sorry for swearing so much, but No, 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 I just felt common. like it's okay. I'm right. an N2. It's all right. I can, it's all right. You know, We're not BR so you're allowed to... Good. <laughs> yeah, um... I don't know why, you, make, you bring it out of me, curse words. Um, yeah, I, have, I do have that. You do have that, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I think that's kind of, what was the question again?
0: I don't know, I forgot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do we fix How do we fix those oh, tall, puppy tall poppy
1: things? Oh, gosh, just, like, just celebrate when people fail. It's totally okay. Most of the startups are, are you know, mm. busting at the gills in revenue these days are ones that are built off failure. So just mm. don't knock people for it. You know, don't bitch behind someone's back. Come up to their face and say it, you know, to their person. And that's, that's, that's it.
0: Yeah. Be good people. Yeah. This is, I mean, we could potentially go down a, a, a rabbit hole of psychology and that kind of thing. But the yes. failure thing is something that we, that we don't do well, necessarily, I making generalisation. But it is it is some of the pathway that you need to go through to success, surely. Absolutely. Yeah, I've failed a bunch of times. Can you talk about some of those, seeing as we're celebrating failure? Not
1: really. Um, gosh. Yeah, I mean, look, it took me three years to raise my first venture fund, and I had to meet 670-odd people to raise a very, very small venture fund, and I failed a lot along the way. I made loads of mistakes. I sponsored the wrong events. I I flew halfway around the world to meet people who didn't have any money. Um, Yeah, I I made lots of mistakes, but Mm. ultimately I've learned from them. I haven't done them again, Um, and I'm very open about talking about it so that you don't have to make them as well.
0: In terms of that money, so, um, you know, on the, on the boring institutional fund side of things with KiwiSaver, like we've got our growing kind of pool of capital. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there money here to help with funds like yours? Is there the, are there the LPs within the country that, that yeah. you could work with?
1: absolutely there are. Yeah, it's um, good groups of individuals, deep pockets.
0: Hmm. And, uh, and are they, you know, are they keen to, to work on the VC level?
1: They are. Um, I think it's a little bit of a longer sales cycle. If you're looking to raise a venture fund here, you've just got to kind of uh, wait a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, it's, they are here. I mean, I, I'm looking at the institutional sources here as well as we've, we're rounding out our raise now, but um, I'm looking at that. I'm a little nervous about having myself and the rest of you as an LP in my fund, as a New Zealand taxpayer. Um, it's a bit intense um, thinking along those lines, um, but it's not. it's a nice problem to have. Can we talk about the tax thing? What, what, what is intense about that? I have a fiduciary right to all my investors to make sure that I invest your money really, really well. I want to do that for everybody that funds me. But when I've got, when you're managing or you're allocating money that's been given to you by a government entity that is mm. sourced from the New Zealand taxpayer, it actually creates a lot of pressure on me. I think, I've got to really make sure this is right. And it may, to a certain extent, it may. Re- it's not going to happen to me, I don't think. But for other people, it may reduce their appetite for risk. Mm-hmm. And our job is all about risk and managing risk, but also taking risks. And I worry about having a lot of institutional money sloshing around that is funded by people like us, some of us who have, you know, work really hard to pull together a small salary. So mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, rests on my, it weighs on my mind.
0: That's cool. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to accentuate the pressure mm-hmm. on your shoulders.
1: Yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: If you can, if you if you can pull out your crystal ball and like look at the next ten years, where do you think where are the opportunities here across sectors, across industries? Like where where should young entrepreneurs be looking? Where should businesses be looking
1: in terms of, uh, as I say, the, the green shoots of opportunity? Yeah, I mean you should all be thinking about integrating machine learning into every single part of your business. Uh, about 80% of my investments are what I call AI-first, machine-learning-led startups, so you know you should be embracing the fact that you know, learn about what is a closed loop, embracing about the fact that you have to make predictions, they're going to fail a lot, and it will keep going around and around and around, and eventually you'll be able to you know, create an artificially created prediction for what you might want to do. So, for example, um, one of my first investments was a company called Iris.tv, and they built software that Um, that built a continuous personalized video feed of content for you to watch. And they were working with um, content publishers like The Herald or Time Magazine or stuff like that. And ordinarily, when you pre-Iris existing, you would go onto that website, you'd watch a video about Kim Kardashian, and then it would just go to black. There'd be nothing else for you to watch. So you switch off, you don't watch any ads, blah, blah, blah. Iris comes along, starts using computer vision to detect what you're watching, and it then automatically searches the library for another video that looks a little bit like what you've just watched and puts it in the hopper. Now, when I first started, when I first funded them, they had collected 1.6 million video views, and they were able to make, they are able to predict um, a video that you want to watch again once. So you, you watch that one video about Kim Kardashian, then you watch the next one about Khloe Kardashian and then you switch off because then it goes on to something completely outside of the Kardashians. They have now watched over 3.6 billion video views wow. and now they can guarantee that you will pretty much watch eight videos on the New Zealand Herald because they know exactly what you like to, to watch. They'll also search your cookies in the background to understand you know, what else you've been looking at for the rest of the day. So this personalised video feed So that's machine learning. Those 3.6 million times is called a closed loop. So the the more you can gain and grab data and put it through that closed loop to keep training the machine, you'll win. So New Zealand should be doing that en masse. Already, like the Philippines have created machine learning farms of people who will just go out there and train machine learning models for you, and you pay them to do that. A bit like the call centers of of old. Um, So I think we should be thinking about that everyone should be blending machine learning um the second one is the democratization of space travel it sounds a little nutty and weird but you probably saw there's an asteroid out there that is worth like 100 quadrillion dollars or something like that um that's not going to go away it's uh it, people are going to be very curious about that we've got rocket lab here um you know uh, we've got SpaceX also doing lots of things in my old city. Um, so I think you know the, the application layer of rockets is really interesting to me. It's such a capitalist thing, by the way, looking at how you can exploit minerals out of space. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, we've already destroyed this environment, so we might as well destroy the next one. Um, so yeah, so um, I think democratization of space. I'm really curious about you know food and the future of food and, and, and how we're going to create food in a more environmentally friendly way. Um, Oh look, e-commerce. You know, retail is dead. You know, uh, in Los Angeles, which you know is a pretty forward-thinking retail market, the most expensive Westfield mall of in the world opened up, and it's a third full. And most of the stores are just demo stores for products that you can't buy in the store. You just go in there and click buy, and it gets sent home to you. So I think you know e-commerce is just going to only replace that. So we have to think about. Um, What do we do with all that empty real estate? Mm. Here's a really good one that I always think a lot about is car parks. Now, if we all go down the pathway of autonomous vehicles, what do you do? And we don't own a vehicle. We just rent one that keeps buzzing along the street. What do you do with all those car parks? What's the use for a large, subterranean, ugly, damp, hot kind of environment? Don't say weed. STORE YOUR asteroid MINERALS. Yeah, yes, yes. Exactly, asteroid minerals. <laughs> but it could be a place for server farms. It could be for anything. you know. So there's, there's this repurposing of the world that I think is going to be really cool. And I think within the next 10 years, we'll see that um, quite a lot. And COVID has really accelerated that. So technology that repurposes the world is something I'm very
0: interested in. Brilliant. All right, one last question, because then we've got a break and we're going to have more food and then carry on. But um, I've been watching uh, Shark Tank a bit, Dragon's Den. Any advice that you'd have for presenting... Uh, so if you're a core cool startup, or as I say, you're looking for, for money, yep. apart from asking for the money, what other bits of advice do you have for, for a kick-ass pitch?
1: Three things. Why you? Why now? Why me? Why you? Why are you the most logical person to build this business? Why are you the only person, or one of the only 10 people in the world that is building this business now? So why now? Which is about, why should your company exist today? If it could have been built five or six years ago I'd be questioning why it hasn't already been built not enough customer interest somebody's already done it stuff like that so I I'm a frontier investor so frontier tech investor so uh, that's a very it's a very kind of bespoke question to me some people aren't so hung up on that uh, and then the last one is why me why am I the best investor for you hmm. have you um, you know the the worst thing I get is when people reach out to me cold through LinkedIn ask me to invest in their um, you know toy company. All they have to do is go to my website and see that I've never infunded, funded <laughs> a bloody toy company. I'm never going to invest in you. I'm never going to respond to your LinkedIn email. So, you know, work out what I think I'm good at. Read my Twitter feed. Read the stuff I write on the website. Work out what where my appetite is. And then it becomes a lot more of an interesting pitch for you and for me. And make the ask. Make sure you know how much you're raising, how long it's gonna take how long that money's gonna last you and what you're gonna accomplish with it. No, that's it. Eight or nine slides, no more than that. And don't read from the slides, just use them as a prompt and just make it like a discussion, like a conversation. It's much more interesting. Brilliant. Brush your teeth as well. I can't tell you how <laughs> many times people come with bad breath. Oh and and, and, and to be honest, the whole the whole Dragon's Den thing is all bollocks. Do you know that I mean it's all I don't know. Yeah, it's absolute bollocks and i i've seen companies pitch me who have won money from shark really? tank and it's not true the terms they say they'll give you on the stage mm. it's a fraction of what it really is so yeah anyway.
0: on that note thank you for dashing my, my dreams of shark tank glory but thank you very much for your time and Thanks welcome me. welcome to new zealand yes You're listening to the M2 Podcast, featuring one of our speakers from the M2 Summit, 3rd of November, 2020, brought to you by Ukiwi Natural Oral Care, Woodford Reserve and Lease Plan.